and patrol the borders of our reality. 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 From the parapolitical to the paranormal in the psychological war for your body, soul, and mind. Be a paratruther. Nineteen thirteen was a fateful year for freedom in America. Both the income tax and the Federal Reserve were created. The dreaded income tax made everyone's hard-earned money the property of the federal government first. The earnings that the government allowed people to keep would then be persistently stolen by the Fed's inflation. Freedom was put in a vice in 1913, and after 100 years, there's almost nothing left to be squeezed. And That comes from the great Ron Paul who uh, titled an article, Repeal 1913 in the Income Tax and the Federal Reserve. That's the first thing I think of when I think of 1913, gentlemen, and that is Ron Paul saying, if we just repeal 1913, you get rid of just about every problem we have in modern America and really Western civilization, the planet, really. I mean, 1913 is the origin story. Is what I always talk about, that fiat, it's fiat currency, fiat is fake. It's the head of the snake. It's uh, it's the origin of evil. Uh, folks, welcome back to Paratruther. As promised, um, I, I said yesterday, I did a, a podcast with Matt Baker and Frank Cavanaugh. I said, when you look forward to tomorrow, I'm I'm going to, uh, to have a, a podcast again on 1913. We, my, I say we, my, myself, Tony Arterburn, uh, Chris Graves, Mr. Anderson. We've done uh, other podcasts on years, like we've taken years in conspiracy I know for sure we've done 1979. We've talked about other years. I was like, let's do the mother. Like, let's go to let's go to the original. Like, oh, there's a bunch of interesting years in conspiracy, but 1913 is ground zero. It's the or it's patient zero. It's the origin story of pretty much everything we see in the modern era. So um, anyway, we're gonna have this informal conversation. This is what I designed this podcast for. It was just really just kind of go over history. Uh, Chris Graves brought a bunch of great notes. Uh, Mr. Anderson brought his brain, which I, again, that's his brain is, is uh, I think we should have it. Can we patent your brain, Mr. Anderson? Can we do that? Can I, can I send all, that in? All two a, ounces, you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> I'll do, is that, is that, don't put it in the National Archives. You trying to say, I mean, is that some kind of weird thing? Is, or, or is that, is that how much a brain weighs? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no. Like a soul weighs seven grams or something, and I don't know. Twenty-one grams. Quit, yeah. quit trying to build me up. You're setting unreasonable expectations. Well, I, that's what I have to do. You have to, and then you have to stretch to make them. No, anyway, this this is a great crew, folks. Uh, we've got we've got Miss Anderson back. Uh, the, the the band is back together, and it's been a while. And of course, the researcher without peer. Uh, Chris Graves, but uh, go ahead and say hi to the people, Chris, and then I'll let Mr. Anderson say hi, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, 1913. Welcome back to your thank own you. show. To my own show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me back, and I uh, know it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be here and with you and Mr. Anderson. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been too long. Of course, uh, we we had plans for other shows, and I've been so busy setting up Wise Wolf, and we've had supply issues, and I did Wolf Pack, and. Mm -hmm. I made promises, and the promises were, were uh, you will get guaranteed delivery as long as you join Wolfpack for gold and silver. Well, I've been on the road. 
and making sure we get guaranteed delivery. And uh, Mr. Anderson knows that because sometimes I see him when I'm in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. And welcome back to your own show. You're This is your part of the crew here, Mr. Anderson. Thanks for, for joining us with your magnificent avatar. Oh, thank you. And thanks for throwing them off the scent. The Dallas Fort Worth bit was great. That is true. I mean, because you are, you are, you you are in Thailand. <laughs> it's real late. I'm gonna have to. He's in Thailand by by way of Mexico City through his VPN. Where, wherever his VPN is, is where he's with Admiral Byrd in Antarctica. <laughs> oh, that's These Aryans are real nice though, and their Wi-Fi is real. He's fast. inside the Hollow Earth uh with uh with all of the leftover third reich and uh, that's where you are i'm sorry mr anderson uh, no no i'm just playing but yeah it's it's been a while chris and i were talking before it got started i think the last episode was the denver airport so naturally this had to be the next show we did very very true naturally <laughs> 1913 just completely on track with the denver airport I, that's the thing about when i started thinking you know there's so much like if you're picking out podcasts there's so much to choose from and i thought well I just pick like stuff that interests me, which is a lot of old school research. And that's what brought me to, uh, to, to into alternative media is uh, like, cause that's where I feel like all the scholarship was, was an alternative. Um, if you read like court historians, it's boring. So I get here and I, you know, I think, what can we talk about? Well, let's do the years. Let's do the, let's, you know, start with years and conspiracy. Let's talk 1913. And of course I started out talking about, uh, uh, Ron Paul. And uh, when I ran for Congress in 2013, which is exactly 100 years uh, since the creation of the Federal Reserve, I called 1913 uh, the four horsemen of the political apocalypse. It's one of the things that I talked about. And uh, of course, those four things were, of course, the Federal Reserve. Uh, you had the income tax. Um, that's the 16th Amendment. A lot of people don't talk about the 17th Amendment. That is right. huge. That was that was the that's the direct election of senators by the people of the states and not the legislature, because the legislature really and by you know the the framers of the constitutions were, were, were the constitution were geniuses. I mean they really were, and they had all these checks and balances. And one of those things were that the legislature itself would appoint senators and could recall them at will, and that made it to where. It, like we you look at the how, what it takes to run for Senate now and you get it's billions, you know, and it's, it's especially in these key states and it's all bankers. It's multinational corporations and bankers. So the bankers pick your two senators. You get you get you get two choices and it's two parties and uh, that's who you get. But, you know, used to it was uh, I mean, again, and the legislature was very powerful. And I, if you read um, John F. Kennedy's book. Uh, which is a good little book called Profiles and Courage. He wrote before he was president. One of his Profiles and Courage was Sam Houston. He's one of my heroes. And he was recalled by the state legislature. The state legislature of Texas recalled him. They censured him. Now, can you imagine your, this is how powerful he was. He was the first president of Texas. Uh, I mean, the general in charge of, of winning the revolution uh, becomes president. And then senator, and then the, his own legislature censures him and recalls him because he was a union man. He was in, in the the lineage of Andrew Jackson, believed in you know a, a, the one union, and um, that got him in trouble. So you again, you know, that's that's nineteen that's nineteen thirteen. You get the 
income tax, you get the Federal Reserve, you get the 17th Amendment, and then my, the, four, the fourth horseman of the political apocalypse, in my view, it's the election. But you get so you get Wilson, Woodrow Wilson. We'll talk about Woodrow Wilson in a minute. But you, when you get Wilson, you also get the fourth horseman, which is free trade. So th that's what I talked about uh, 10 years ago when I ran for office. And uh, I don't my, my opinions have only gotten more <laughs> got more radical, more dug into this position because it's really more apparent than ever that this is the origin story. So if you take 1913 out of our equation, let's say uh, the that J.P. Morgan and the banksters weren't successful in uh, running uh, Theodore Roosevelt. They ran Theodore Roosevelt, by the way. 1912 was huge. Uh, Wilson would have never beaten Taft. You know, Wilson was this, uh, you know, Princeton, uh, PhD, the only PhD president. He was an intellectual. Uh, he was not, not a real great speaker. He was methodical, but he wasn't, you know, nothing, nothing that the country wanted. So you had to siphon off votes from Taft and they ran Theodore Roosevelt, the ex-president and the bull moose party, the third party. It's just enough votes to put in Woodrow Wilson. He was uh, the the banker's president. This guy was uh, bought and paid for several times over. And if you read, um, I don't know if you have it, Chris, but there's a great quote from Wilson about who's actually in charge and how he lamented it. I don't know if you, I, mean, I just thought of it, so I didn't ask you to pull it up before. Well, I'll, I'll look for it right now. Yeah, but it's it's where he he's just like completely, um, I mean, he, his, he's heartbroken over the fact that he really isn't in charge and who really is in charge, you know, and, uh, and you got to, we talked off air about Colonel Mandel House, this man who's not a colonel. And he wrote um, the book, what was it called? Philip Drew Administrator. Uh, you, you'll know this, Chris. It was called Philip Drew Administrator. And it was all these like socialistic programs yeah. and uh, like a blueprint. It was a novel. And yeah. he wrote this. And it was like before he became the live-in guy at the White House, and by the way, not a colonel, but his name is Colonel McDowell. Like, just like Colonel Tom Parker, not a colonel. Not a colonel, right? So it's and and uh, of course, uh, FDR had somebody very similar uh, when he was president. I think it was Harry Hopkins. But anyway, the, so 1913, you get Wilson, you get these massive shifts in the American body politic and uh, our culture. Um, all the, the the things that the framers had set in motion to, to create checks and balances were completely obliterated. And it was done really under the guise of progressive, you know, friendly. And like that, that's how a lot of these things are done. We know that, right? They just kind of pushed it through. And, and we'll, we'll, I want to go over some links here, but I'm just kind of stream of consciousness. I, I always think about the progressives yeah. when they're saying, well, we know we've got to tax the rich. You know, we tax the rich. We, we really got to, everybody's got to pay their fair share and all this. And they always go back to the income tax, which is stupid. The income tax is ridiculous. Um, we didn't have an income tax, folks. Uh, we only had, it. Lincoln had a little bit of one uh, during the Civil War, but it was unconstitutional. They had to create the 16th Amendment yeah. to make it possible. But the income tax was not brought to you by progressives. It wasn't like a, uh, you know, a, a bottom up uh, grassroots movement 
to to get people to pay their fair share. It was brought to you by the wealthiest people. They they did this. And it was a way to pay the interest on the debt because you're creating a Federal Reserve. You're creating a centralized banking system, control the money supply. This is a this is a slavery system that they built. And so whenever I hear progressives, <laughs> I'm like, you realize that the rich set it up, right? You, you in if you and it's funny because the the progressives always say and the left always says that well, the rich are controlling America. I'm like, well, then if the rich control it, then why don't they get rid of the income tax? The reason is they love it. It keeps them on top. So that's one of the things. And of course, we'll get into the Fed, but and the late the late Bill Cooper was murdered over trying to prove that the income tax was not constitutional. Let's remember that. That is true. And uh, side note, uh, myself and Mr. Anderson have been to Bill Cooper's home. We did a broadcast from his uh, his driveway. In I was at the bottom of the driveway, but I got out of there because I didn't want to get shot, and it was late at night. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. We had uh, myself, and we'll have to put that on the, I need to put that back up on the feed as a throwback uh, show or um, flashback Friday or throwback Thursday or something. You um, call, Actually, you, I think you called uh, Don Jeffries on the air too. That's right. We talked to Don. I remember. Um, so, but, uh, well, I, I want to, you guys did some great research and uh, this is just, just me um, running a gold and silver shop and then coming in and throwing on the record button and talking a little bit of history. but. Um, where do you guys want to start? Um, I mean, as far um, as subject matter, where do you want to go? I, I think you hit it on the head, kind of the motivation. And Wilson yeah. was a real dingleberry, but <laughs> so 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 was Roosevelt. He already ran two. <laughs> yeah, it came from my two ounce brain. Um, <laughs> Roosevelt already had been president for two terms, and they somehow convinced him again because he was leaning more progressive. And it just really makes you shake your head at him a little bit. What were you thinking? Because as you pointed out, if you take the popular vote Taft and Roosevelt, and Roosevelt actually won more popular, a larger percentage of the popular vote than Taft, Wilson had no chance. But he was running under that, what you were referring to, this idea of um, an agenda referred to as new freedom agenda, right? Right. So they were like, we're going to go after banking reform, and they did. (laughs) And then tariff reduction was another one. So they were talking about knocking tariffs down 10% because they were an unfair tax levied on the poor. And then <laughs> they, yeah. And then they come up with this hidden tax, um, you know, which we know now is inflation, like it was eight and a half percent last year. So unless you made up that eight and a half percent in your annual income, you're losing money. You're poorer than you were last year. So it's, it's just ridiculous. It's just, it was just another form of wealth redistribution, but Wilson did a great job. I mean, he really attacked, spearheaded two of the pillars of the 10 that are laid out in the Communist Manifesto. He created a central bank, and then he, he put everything in motion for a progressive um, graduated income tax, which is what we have now. And Perloff mentions it in his book, and it always stood out to me. The truth is a lonely warrior. But if you take like the cumulative of, all, you know, add up all the taxes that the founding fathers were experiencing before they declared war and independence, it was around 20%, 21%. We're taxed on everything. So it's, it's just crazy to me how much it's devolved, but it all started in 1913 and actually a little bit before that. I'm sure we'll get into Jekyll Island, but what about you, Chris? Yeah, no, 1913 is a key year 
pretty much the uh, beginning of the downfall. You know, I like to say things like 9-11, you know, it was the beginning of the, our modern day downfall. But to be fair, about a century prior to that is where a lot of this, these shenanigans began. And uh, yeah, it all starts with, you know, the Federal Reserve and the income tax being established and, you know, Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson and Colonel House um, just infiltrating the White House and the presidency, basically. Um, I actually found links that connect Colonel House to the finders of the 1980s, you know. With really? The, yes. And I sent that to our mutual friend, Donald Jeffries, for uh, Hidden History 3, 4, or 5, whatever. Uh Whatever will come out. But yeah, it ties all the way back to Colonel House, who was not a colonel. And uh, now I'm going off into uh, the weeds. But yeah, no, 1913 and the uh, the Fed. That's um, Ron Paul was right. You know, we get rid of that and we get rid of, you know, most of our, pro our modern day problems, you know. Well, and, you know, you reminded me of something. You know, not to get off track, you know, and, and Mr. Anderson talked about Jekyll Island. There's there's a there's some things that predate 1913 that you think when you look back in retrospect, you're like, wow, they really needed this. This it, America with its wealth and its spirit and its manufacturing and, and all of the, the the energy that was coming from the West, the wealth, the, the potential for wealth. It was a keystone. It was it was something they needed to to start the great civil war of the West, if you want to call that's what Pat Buchanan refers to, uh, to as World Wars One and Two, right. great civil war of the West. They really needed uh, nineteen thirteen to to create that world, because without the the Federal Reserve, uh, without the Seventeenth Amendment, with the direct election of senators, right, without the income tax, you really can't do World War One, not really. And if you go back and look at, and I know, I'm sure you know this history too, Chris, the Carnegie Foundation. Yeah. Um, they were doing a, a series of studies right around the time of Jekyll Island, which was 1910, when all the banksters got together. And <laughs> I don't, I don't, did they worship a giant owl? Was Walter Cronkite there for that? No, I'm just <laughs> but when they got, when they got together and this Carnegie Foundation was at least one of the foundations were like, well, we want to remake society. And there's all these Every single time, it's like the wealthiest wealthy people, right? They always want to go socialistic. It's almost like we made it here, so make sure no one else makes it. We want to make sure we dumb down society, create workers, create obedient population. But this is a real thing that yeah. they got together and this their think tank and said, what's the best way to remake society, to put together our most progressive views, to change to change uh, our you know sociologically uh, the face of, of of the West, and their answer was, we need a war. So the next question they asked was, how do we get into one? Right. So it's no coincidence to me that you get nineteen thirteen this massive pivotal year. You can't get it without Woodrow Wilson, and you can't get Woodrow Wilson without the bankers because they funded him and the Theodore Roosevelt heavily Taft, whatever you want to say about Taft, he wasn't uh, a progressive. Uh, he didn't want the federal reserve. All Taft ever wanted to be was a Supreme court justice. He wanted yeah. to be chief justice of the Supreme court. He was, 
Right. He was shocked that T- that Theodore Roosevelt was running against him. Like he's like, it's my friend. Like what what is this? What's going on? So they had to have that election because again, Christmas Eve is when they push through um, the Federal Reserve Act. When most like a big chunk of Congress had gone home, like the um, Patriot Act, Tony. Like the Patriot overnight. Act. Overnight, yep. <laughs> overnight had to push it through. But folks, like what? Six months later, we're we're starting to see the beginning of of the world, you know, going into a cataclysm with World War One with the Archduke Ferdinand because it was an accident. Yeah, you know, the and the driver drove around twice. They missed him the first time when they shot at him. It's ridiculous. Well, and the and the, the Serbian, uh, what they called it, the uh, the Black Hand. Yeah, you know, this the Serbian nationalist group was had ties to the British intelligence in the House of Rothschild. I mean, I, I mean, I, this is incredulous, and I'm supposed to believe that everything's an accident in history. Those things bump into each other. Totally. Why are you conspiracies there? Like, well, you have to have all these pieces to get the, yeah. the major war. So 1913 is pivotal. Like, we have to discuss it. If yeah. you take that out of the equation, if the if the 16th Amendment doesn't pass, if the Fed doesn't pass, if there's no Wilson. And all this stuff kind of just is moot. Like you get maybe a little bit of a, a regional war in Europe, but you don't get a worldwide war. You don't get American involvement. You don't get um, the right. Wilson, Wilson was reelected under the guys that, hey, he kept us out of war. That was his And slogan. then as soon as he was reelected, he's like, here we go. But um, I think it all works towards world government. Those are just the first few blocks that they're stacking on top of each other. Because Paul Warburg said later, and he had a huge involvement at Jekyll Island, which I'll let you and Chris talk about. But he said something like, you're going to have world government, whether you like it or not, either through conquest or consent. Right. I mean, it's a pretty arrogant, bold thing to say. So I think that was at the top of everyone's list. Yeah, we'll get into Daddy Warburgs here in a second. Uh, I was <laughs> like, I always like to, that's a great reference. And, you know, you were talking off air and just, just calling him that. This is like his, the, the pop culture reference for, for Paul Warburg. Um, and we'll get into who his brother was, right? <laughs> where, right. where was you, this great war with a, with a, and a more, you know, this enemy, this, our, our entrenched, uh, immortal enemy. Right. Um, it's how it's, it's so funny history. Like when you start actually studying it, uh, just how ridiculous the, 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 the official narrative always is. History not- is a conspiracy theory, Tony. It's true. That. Yeah, or, or as Napoleon said, it's a pack of lies agreed upon. Exactly. You know, and exactly. so let's go over some. Chris had sent me an article, and I, I just want to touch on this for a second. You talk about your coincidence theorist. This is a uh, this is off the is it the TimeStream.wordpress, but it's there's also mainstream that picked it up. They just did a better job with this. Uh, yeah, the BBC overview. Like the BBC did one, but this is historical oddities. 1913, when seven men who shaped history all lived in Vienna, which is Vienna, Austria. It's a coincidence, Tony. (laughs) I'm trying to get to the the point here. Uh, It's in the early 20th century. Vienna was the sixth largest city in the world with over 1.7 million people. It's the, it was the capital of the Austro Hungarian empire. Um, Of course that was the Habsburgs. They, that collapsed after, uh, uh, the end of World War One, and then in 1913, amidst all this, just before the outbreak of World War One, 
a surprisingly high number of people who were or would become important historical figures all spent time in Vienna. Let's start with the Austrians, naturally. Emperor uh, Franz Joseph resided in the Hofburg Palace at the head of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. His nephew and heir was Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who lived in the nearby Upper uh, Belvedere Palace, south of the city center. A year later, Franz Ferdinand's assassin assassination in Sarajevo would uh, start the direct chain of events that would lead to the outbreak of World War I. Well, sort of. Um, moving away from the royalty, the, the renowned psychologist Sigmund Freud was living in a small apartment in downtown Vienna where he had a private practice. Uh, it says uh, today Freud's apartment has been converted into a museum. Uh, there were also two men from elsewhere in Austro-Hungarian Empire that moved to Vienna as as young men to find a better life. There were such men were Adolf Hitler, uh, Joseph Broz Tito. Um, if you remember, Tito was the head of uh, Yugoslavia. If you remember, if anybody knows their history, uh, a young Hitler had come to Vienna at the age of sixteen, hoping to obtain a position at the Vienna Academy of Fine Arts. He had moved from his hometown of Linz in northwest Austria and was rejected by the Academy twice in 1907 and 1908. Uh, from then, he left Vienna for Munich in the summer of 1913. Uh, Hitler struggled to make a living as a watercolor painter and lived in a home for poor workers on the north side of the Danube. Meanwhile, Tito had joined a metal workers union and moved to Vienna after working at a number of automobile factories. That's interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Where was that? You remember the in the famous car from the '80s was the Yugo that was made under Tito. Did you I know? Do you remember, remember that? Yeah, that was T. That was Tito's Yugoslavia. They made the Yugo, and that's interesting. He worked in a car factory. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I spent a little time in in his neck of the woods when I was a young soldier. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, he worked at a Daimler factory, which is Daimler Chrysler. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find who else was there. I know that. Oh, yeah. But in another another set, um, the two men were Stalin and Leon Trotsky. Both were exiles from the Russian Empire. And after the attempted revolution in 1905, Trotsky was a frequent regular at the Cafe Central Coffee House. I again, you know, it's crazy. Trotsky's Coffee House. <laughs> you have Tito, Hitler. Freud. Uh, Freud, uh Stalin and Trotsky. Oh, and the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, all living in Vienna in 1913. Um movers and shakers. Yep. Yeah. That's uh that's kind of an that's a historical edit. That's an indeed an oddity. Uh I see stuff like that. And you know, we were talking about I wonder what the odds would be of that. Like mathematically it's kind of like what are the odds of uh of of george hw bush uh 11 years to, to 9 11 on the same day of the week on tuesday uh yeah invoking in the new world right. order three times <laughs> <laughs> like what? down to the minutes and seconds under yeah. the minutes and seconds yeah. and 11 years later his son would be saying the exact same thing i i don't think that's mathematical but it's interesting you know you look at that you look at um all these things that are happening uh, and you just wonder, like, there's, there's got to be some kind of, there's had to be some kind of, uh, you know, 
other plan or design or something. Yeah. Right. There, there, there's other things behind the scenes, you know, and you, you talk about Benjamin Disraeli, you know, who the prime minister of, of great Britain and there's something he said famously about, uh, in, in, in one of his novels, he kind of wrote a Philip Drew administrator type novel. And uh, you probably know this, Chris, where he he's, he talks about he's like things uh, are actually different behind the scenes than what you see, what you and I actually see. I'm paraphrasing. I have to pull the quote up, but it was things are not as they seem. Right. So what are the mathematical chances of all those people? And then we talked about Paul Warburg, who was the first head of the uh, the Federal Reserve Bank in the United States. And that's who they based the character Daddy Warbucks off of uh, in the in the movie Little Orphan Annie or the play. Yeah. And um, but in real life, Paul Warburg, head of the Central Bank of the United States, his brother is was named Max. Max Warburg was the head of the Central Bank in Germany. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the exact same time that we're supposed to be locked in this death struggle with the with the Hun, you know, and uh, I just it's so silly, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you like think, Mr. Said, Anderson? I'll throw it to you. You got any thoughts on? Uh, yeah, no. Um, when you're talking about uh, Daddy Warbucks again, uh, as we mentioned before the show kicked off, I mean, that was one parallel. And then also we were talking about Monopoly and J.P. Morgan. Now it was created over his likeness. So it's really difficult to believe that these people during this time period or around it didn't know what was going on. And um, I, I don't know, you're, when you first read the, these things, if it is a his, his history book from like a public school or something like that, you just, they gloss over it. And if you get a little into it, you're, they operate under the assumption these people didn't know what was going on, but I think they were very aware. Um, well, people were yeah. smarter back then. I mean, Jim Mars had a great breakdown of this years and years ago. I love, I miss Jim Mars. Uh, what a, I mean, a real researcher, you know, we have very few of right. those types anymore, a real journalist. And uh, he taught, he showed some great cartoons, like the turn of the 20th century. And they'd have like JP Morgan, like shaking hands with Karl Marx, like giving him a wink and a nod. Like we're, <laughs> we're in the same boat. We do the same thing, you know? And they just knew like people were smarter. They were just more well-read. And you, you, you talked about earlier, uh, Mr. Anderson, you talked about the, uh, uh, the, the planks of the communist manifesto, like how right. many we've, I, I did this when I filled in for David Knight years ago on Infowars and I read Everything that we've adopted, like the I read the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto and all the things that we've adopted. And it's interesting because back then they just knew that was that was the deal. The bankers fund communists. What are you talking about? Of course they do. You know, like we just lose that. I think, you know, you get some trauma, like a Great Depression. You get a right. world war. Um, well, what about the panic of 1907? I mean, they create, I, I mean, oh, yeah. J.P. Morgan, he owned a lot of the newspapers and he was the one who was really the culprit for the run on the banks. So he created all the commotion to put everyone in a panic. And he's like, Oh, you know, this wouldn't happen if we had more liquidity and uh, we had a central bank and things like that. So they, 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 you know, rattle everything around, stir up the controversy and it's, it's all pre-planned so they can introduce their solution. So I, 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 like I don't know. Flag, right, Mr. Anderson, like a false flag. Right, exactly. They're still doing that. <laughs> the tactics haven't changed; just the the methods. <laughs> hey, if it works, don't fix. You know, don't need fixing. You know, right. And then also, uh, we didn't really talk much about 
Nelson Aldridge and his connections to the Rockefeller family. But I think that's very interesting. And the other thing about him is he was part of the Republican Party, but he was the one who was, you know, pushing this legislation for the income tax and then also the Federal Reserve, right? Everyone rode in his boxcar down to Jekyll Island, which I don't think it could have more of a perfect name. (laughs) What's going on behind the scenes and kind of the duplicity there. Um, I said, on yeah, David Knight today, I did, I did my, my Thursday appearance on the David Knight show. And I opened up with, uh, did you guys know the G seven leaders just did, uh, a conference in Hiroshima? Like we're on the brink of like possible yeah. nuclear exchange and these idiots are, I mean, are you, are you telegraphing them? Are you saying what, what I think you're saying? Like you're all meeting in Hiroshima. And I thought, well, I go, hey, David, uh, maybe since they're the G7's meeting in Hiroshima, we get Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen and the IMF and just tell us what's next for the dollar. I'll go down to Jekyll Island and tell us, you know, like, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead and just get it, get it out of the way. Like, don't try to hide it anymore. Right. But yeah, so I, was it his daughter who married into the Rockefeller yes. family? Yeah, the Aldrich, Aldrich married into um, uh, the Rockefeller family. Yeah, Nelson a Rockefeller, right? Who's vice president with Gerald Ford. Was, right. Was his, the, the son. Right. Or the grandson. Grandson. Yes. That's exact. That's exactly right. And you know, and, funny, Aldrich was Aldrich. Wasn't he from New York? Yeah. Rhode Island. He was a, at least a state Senator from Rhode Island. No, he was, um, a, there was a Senator. He was a full Senator. Right. Aldrich. And I want to yeah, say it, he was the it, one responsible for making sure that Teddy Roosevelt was on the ticket with McKinley mm. because they, so Theodore Roosevelt, and this is, this is kind of in line with 1930, but Theodore Roosevelt was a very powerful political figure after San Juan Hill and going to war with Spain. And he became governor of New York. He was, his star was rising. So they thought they'd get rid of him. And put him on the ticket, make him vice president, which is basically an office into oblivion, right? Most of the time. Yeah. And uh, Cheney. <laughs> yeah. You can have conversations with children, and then you're gonna go to the moon on a rocket ship and into <laughs> Mars. Isn't that great? Even the actors, the children actors had difficulty acting that through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this crazy one. <laughs> We got the Crypt Keeper and we got Kamala. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we're, we're in good hands. It's funny sorry, when you read history like this and you go back through 1913, you go, gosh, you know, these were some devious people, but I kind of respect yeah. them. You know, just like, you wait. <laughs> just wait a while. Like yeah, George Carlin said, wait a while. <laughs> but they were yeah. smart. You know, like at least they, I mean, now it's like people get away with things. Like we have some, I mean, just soulless automatons for Satan. And like, they just get away with everything, but they're not that smart either. And then we're going to sell on Pluto. (laughs) Are you you doing your best, Kamala? I don't know. She just sucked up. Yeah, I'm I'm sucking someone off right now. Like, you know, and I mean, she does, uh, they have this uh, AI voice on her on the David Knight show. It is I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. Like they do an AI version. It's like, you can watch the David Knight show with your eyes. And it sounds <laughs> just like her. You yeah, can that's what we love. Cold liquid. <laughs> liquid goes in coffee mugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can have, 
it holds basically it holds coffee right the new mug it's so funny and basically i mean you got yeah. david Knight, like pretending to just wake up like from his like from his sleep and he's like what, what? <laughs> what are you talking who are you uh it's great yeah well that's the thing about you go back and this is a huge year 1913 you got uh all this happening it sets the stage for what we're dealing with now. Like without this year, you like I said, you take this out of the equation. We still have a republic. Like it's we're like still, 1979 uh, and 9/11. Yes, direct correlation. You know, correct. There's a direct correlation. Everything again. The all past is prologue. You know, that's what it says in front of the. I remember when I got uh, back from Iraq and uh, I was there in in Washington D.C. with. Uh, my first wife, Erin, and and we were walking around. I said, "Look at that! This is the National Archives." I had her take her take a picture of me in front of us. All past is prologue, and it certainly is. Um, you can you can really when you look back into the past, the further you look back, the further you can see into the future, and that's that's where we we're seeing the end game now. Uh, everything that that nineteen thirteen put into motion. But I looked up, uh, just kind of skipping around here. I looked up one of the links you sent chris um and it was just all the events that happened um and these are just straight up events i was going to read some of them um let's go back to like january of 1913 um this is like the beginning of of gandhi's career uh joseph stalin uh, january 12th after using the pseudonym over the years Joseph uh, Jonesville signs himself as Stalin, the man of steel, in a letter to the newspaper of the Social Democrats. Mm. It's like the beginning of Stalin. Um, yeah, the coup d'etat, the, the January 23rd, the Young Turks lead a coup against the Turkish government, assassinating Minister of War Nazim Pashra. Uh, Franz Kafka stops working on America. It will never be published. You guys know uh, Kafka never never published anything in his life. Like he asked his friend to burn his manuscripts. You guys know about Kafka? Yeah. No, I was going to say, could you give me a little of his backstory there? Oh, I'm Franz Kafka? Familiar. Yeah, I'm yeah, familiar he, with He wrote that. like, um, I'll pull up a little, little bio if I can get one here. He wrote the Metamorphosis, the Trial. That's when you are the castle. Um, he was an insurance agent and uh, just a real tortured guy. But that's where you get the term Kafka esque. Like it's like you like he wrote stories about like especially like the trial where you don't get to face any of your accusers. Like you don't even know what you're being charged with. You're just being persecuted, kind of like today. Um, he really he really called it. Yeah, um, yeah, Kafka esque. Yep. February 16th, U.S. President William Howard Taft agrees to intervene in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm skipping around here. There's lots more, too. I just want to see if I can get some more. You always got to intervene, Tony, somewhere. You can't just mind <laughs> your own business. Well, we did intervene, um, you know, after, right, after, uh, right after Woodrow Wilson was, um, yeah. was installed, we went into Mexico. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Installed is a good word. Yep. Yeah. March 4th, Woodrow Wilson's inaugurated. 
That's the thing. They used to wait till March, and it was FDR that moved it back up to January. Yeah, it was why, always yeah. March really? why was that? Right. He just wanted. He it was his third term. He said, "Let's just get it over with." And he just oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's move along. It's true. <laughs> I get stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> So, Chris, I see one you sent to Women Vigilantes of 1913. Yeah, and the women's suffrage movement. There's yeah. a vigilante. Oh, there's uh, March 14th. John D. Rockefeller gives $100 million to the Rockefeller Foundation. <laughs> yeah, that's why they don't care about income tax. That's yeah. It all a, goes through their foundations. It reminds me, isn't, that, isn't it sunny in Philadelphia? Where yes. He's like, oh, what do you do? He's like, I'm a full-on rapist. I mean, you're a full-on <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm a full-on rapist. What, what, what about the um, uh, Arrested Development, Tobias, the anal therapist? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's anal retentive. That's right. He's a never nude. And then, and then now rapist. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about Woodrow Wilson, too. And this guy, I always bring this up during the State of the Union. It used to be so Thomas Jefferson was the third president and he didn't like to do public speaking. Wasn't good. He was a great writer, great thinker. didn't like to do public speaking. So he decided he'll deliver the state of the union in writing, just deliver it to him as like, here's where we are. Enjoy, you know, give it a read. And it was Wilson who brought it back. Of course he did. Cause now we have to sit through this pomp. You know, all this nonsense. And I thought standing ovations. Every somebody ought to bring it like yeah. somebody to be as like, hey, I'm just bringing it back the way Thomas Jefferson intended, you know, like and somebody ought to be bold. I was wondering why Trump, I was like, why don't Trump just tweet it out? You know, like instead of having the thing, just tweet it out. Just tweet out the State of the Union, do a live stream, you know. Yeah. The tweeter Everybody knows their history. Um, I was going to say, if they did that, Tony, would people today actually sit down to read it? No. <laughs> They if it wasn't read. a tweet, yeah. They can't read. <laughs> I didn't even mean that, but yeah. You had, really. had to pass the bill to see what was in it. It's, it's a pop-up bill. That's yeah. Does it have pictures? <laughs> I'm looking. Uh, I'm just kind of scanning over. I can't. Obviously, I couldn't read all of this. I mean, it's massive. Amount. What a year. Sure it was Jacob. Yeah. Um, and it's just, of course, the year, you know, before the cataclysm of 1914. And the year after the Titanic, which there's all kinds of theories about that. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm I'm a subscriber to the, to the, the weird. J.P. Morgan, there's a theory there, too, about the Titanic. What's the, and, what's the theory, Chris? Well, that it was sunk on purpose and that J.P. Morgan was actually supposed to be on it. And instead, he was in France with his mistress. All kinds of things. It's because the melons, like a lot of the people that oppose the Federal Reserve, that's were on right. Titanic. Yeah. And um, some people believe that it was the Titanic was actually switched out for the, the Queen Mary. Wasn't it the Queen Mary? It was the sister ship. Sister ship? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to remember the name. Is, is the Queen Mary the one in Long Island that you can have like you go mystery dinner, murder mystery dinner? You go have drinks and stuff. Yeah, Queen Mary. and Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not that, well, yeah, so that's the theory that <clears throat> J.P. Morgan and a lot of other people, um, <laughs> like Tony was saying, people that, you know, were against the Federal Reserve were, you know, died on the Titanic. Here's October 27th, 1913. 
President Woodrow Wilson says the U.S. will never attack another country. <laughs> so, uh, that didn't that didn't age well. No, no, <laughs> didn't age well. I was part of the U.S. attacking other countries that didn't attack us. Yeah. Wow, there's a ton of there's a ton of stuff. I can't go into everything here. I was oh, the December first, Ford Motor Company Institute, world's first moving assembly line for the Model T Ford. Henry Ford would be a great subject to go over too. Fordlandia, isn't that what it was called? The one, we, the South American rubber yeah. plant deal. That's that, yeah, do that man. That f- yeah. Ford was it? Ford was a, a fascinating figure. And he wasn't he part of the um, the business plot uh, with um, you know to install um, wars Iraq at Spendley Butler. Spendley oh, Butler. Yeah. Was he was Ford Wasn't he part, part of, of the yeah the Wall Street coup like I with, don't uh, think so Dupont and everything I don't I don't think so you look look into that again I know that that I think I think that was a ruse I think that was like a I think that was like an inside job to make it to make Roosevelt look sympathetic I think that was yeah just trying to put Smedley Butner in a bad light actually I, I, I heard that before too there's like conflicting theories on it yeah. Yep, December 23rd, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson signs Federal Reserve Act into law. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, wow. <laughs> Surprisingly, not a lot of numerology, like weirdness there that I could find. Well, there's know? something you sit in the show notes. Let me find it. I mean, there's there was something. one. Yeah, there the was angel, one. The like, angel number. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I looked I looked at that earlier. Let me find it. What are you thinking, Mr. Anderson? You've been quiet. I think we lost him, actually. Did we? Yeah, I think he dropped out because it's just there he is. Oh, okay, here he is. Are you are you back, Mr. Anderson? Yeah, I'm back in black. Could you could you, <laughs> you literally, literally are? I gotta get my avatar. Where's your avatar? Did you did miss did you just lose the signal or I just thought maybe I'd change it mid-show, you know. Okay. <laughs> no, we're doing, no, I, he's I, I he's over here off. doing 1914, Chris. He doesn't care about that. He's, 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 I'm done with it. I'm yeah, done I'm with it. I'm on to Fordlandia. He did, he's singing the New Year's Eve song, you know. Uh, I'm on to 1947 now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Sorry about that. Uh, I was just going, I was sitting here looking at these links that uh, Chris had sent me. He had one on the, the angel year. Let me find it. Where is it, Chris? How far down is it? I mean, folks, I wish you could. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Or no, it's there's 1913 numerology and uh, the meaning, the spiritual number, the numbers.academy. But um, I'll put it in the uh, the group chat we have here. If I can find it myself. <laughs> here's 1913 angel number, spiritual meaning. What does yeah. 1913 mean? If you see. Angel number 1913. The message relates to the field of money and hobbies. Okay. And says that your persistence in trying to keep your independence will soon bring the long-awaited results in the form of banknotes. Are you kidding me with this thing? No. <laughs> this is like not even related to. I know. Your your social ability, flexibility, and non-standard thinking will be in trend, and someone will be willing to pay good money for your presence in the team. Try not to give away 
adhere to otherwise the most valuable quality of your nature. So this is like a, Chris does, I mean, across the board, like anything that has to do with the the year or the numbers, but isn't that weird? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it says that your persistence in trying to keep your independence will soon bring away the long awaited results in the form of banknotes. <laughs> and that's 19, the meaning of the, of the number 1913. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they did they reverse engineer that or something. Is it this this hat? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. They're like, oh no, 1913 was the was the year of the Federal Reserve. Wow. Yeah. So, weird. So I was trying to find some weirdness here. Oh, here's night here's uh UFO sightings. I know. <laughs> yeah. I saw oh, it was an air was it an airship? Uh, yeah. Welsh, Welsh UFO sightings in 1913. Uh, in the early part of the year, that there were numerous sightings across England and Wales of a mystery airship. That was a phenomenon in the uh, late 1800s where a lot of people saw like blimps or airships in the sky, a lot of the time piloted by very human looking individuals that would even talk, talk to people on the ground. They would get that low. And some have theorized that it could be evidence of a breakaway society that, you know, we, you know, some people bring up to this day, you know, they had technology beyond what we understand now, you know, that, that kind of idea, you know, um, who's to say we, that there wasn't a bunch of humans or elite like the Rockefellers and Rothschilds that maybe they had, oh, it, to me, it's, it's, it's kind of a given, you know. Like, why would they share it with the paupers and the peasants, you know, technology? So that's what I think it is, the mystery airships of the 1800s. But there are quite a few, actually. That's, uh, a, that's a whole show to do. I, I, just, I On my desk, oh, look, I'll hold it up. I've got... Uh, well, look at this, Tony. These are all show ideas. Yeah. Like, these are note cards of show I've ideas. Got, I've got Jim Mars' uh, Alien Agenda. This was written oh, in 1997, good. and it has a whole history of the, the late 1800s airships, the, yes. the airship stories. Yeah, Peter Seacosh, a good friend of mine, he has a lot of uh, airship research, too. Yeah, that is a topic. <laughs> Quite a bit. That's, that's interesting. I didn't... Uh, people don't realize, literally, we're going over, like, as we're recording, I'm. this is a massive amount of show notes that uh, that Chris did, and... Yeah, he has one on a poltergeist girl. Yeah, there's that one. <laughs> Who amazed the world, by the way, with her powers. Wow. Which was that a link in here? Yeah. Yeah. So. Let me uh, go through. Next time I'll I'll put it in sections so it's easier to uh to find. It's, just, it's good. I like the way it is. Uh, I mean, but so so many of these titles, you know, like Death of America, why 1913 was a point of no return. This is it's usually the Fed. Yeah. Yeah, the Federal Reserve originated in conspiracy, famguardian.org. So I'd like uh, maybe y'all's perspective on this, but the United States tried a national bank twice, or national bank two times before this, right? Right. Alexander Hamilton, who I, I believe was, you know, the first Puerto Rican uh Secretary of the Treasury, according to that. <laughs> the, well, yeah, he uh, is a song to that Broadway show. He's a song and dance band now. He yeah. was always dancing. <laughs> We're gonna build a band. He was rapping. He was, he was <laughs> yeah. He's it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one had its charter expire, right? After 20 years. And then shortly after that, they had another one that same thing. I think the charter expired. So 
I don't know. What, what are y'all thoughts on why those two failed and then this one stuck, the Federal Reserve? Well, uh, my thoughts on it, we, you know, we started out, we had a national bank and uh, it, it failed uh, miserably. Uh, it was just antithetical to American principles of uh, hard money. Um, you know, the same thing with gold and silver um, coinage only being able to be made by Congress. That's in the Constitution. You know, Congress can't print money. It can coin money. It has to be gold and silver. That's in the document. And the, so, it again, it was it was a failure. They came up with a second bank of the United States after uh, the War of 1812. Um, that was one of the reasons why we got into the war. Like that was part of the, the, the international bankster class was trying to infiltrate, uh, the United States and its hierarchy, uh, through the central bank at the time. And it's, it was the victory of Andrew Jackson in 1836, where he, he called him a den of vipers and thieves and said, I'm going to, I'm going to route you out. And he killed the bank. He wanted that on his tombstone. So I was looking up real quick. Um, sorry, I don't know what that was me or not. I was trying to click on uh, a search deal. Hold on. I was looking at the life of uh, J.P. Morgan. Let's see if I'm right about this. So Andrew Jackson killed the second bank of the United States in 1836. Yep, I was right. So John Pierpont Morgan, April 17th, 1837. So the first year that there was no bank in the uh, in the United States, no central bank, he was born. He died March 31st, 1913, which was the year that we got the central bank. So he his lifetime spanned this giant chunk of history where we had no bank. So yeah. you, 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 Mr. Anderson, mentioned earlier about the Panic of 1907. That was a catalyst meant to say, well, we need regulation here. We've got to come in and only we, you know, the financial class, we, we can fix this. And there needs to be a, a, a top-down system to control a panic and uh, help us regulate the money supply and help us regulate financial uh, upheaval. So that's where you get the, the, they actually met on November 22nd, 1910, which, you know, uh, 53 years later, it was the deep state murdering JFK yeah. to the day. Um, but so you have this group meeting in Jekyll Island and uh, they, they were really smart about it. If you read it, if you read their notes, like they were like, no, we, they weren't allowed to talk about it, tell people where they were. They, you know, you were talking about being on Aldridge's uh, train car and all that stuff. Like it was, there was no fanfare. It was just, you know, uh, very minimal. Uh, and they branded it. This is where language is so important. They branded it, not a bank. They branded it a reserve. And then there's like, well, it also needs to be associated with the governments. They called it federal, but everybody knows it's as federal as federal express. I mean, literally a private owned consortium, international banking cartel, and you don't know who owns it. You still yeah. don't know. Nobody knows. Not really. I mean, who owns the, do you own it? I don't own it. I don't have shares in the federal reserve. It, you know, um, if you look at, G. Edward Griffin's work, yeah. which is, by the way, I got to tell G. Edward Griffin live on air that his book uh, was one of the reasons I got into the gold and silver business. I got right. to tell the, the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island once. 
um, which is really you cool. You all got to talk to Angry Tiger recently had him on, uh, Donald Jeffries, yourself, you yeah. know. I'd love to talk to the gentleman before because he's getting up there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just an amazing human being. and uh, But he wrote a detailed report. And I think one of the people that funded him was like a, a descendant of one of the Mellons who so, had, yeah. had, had been one of the, like the Mellon family had some ties to it. But yeah, it's a private bank, folks. So it's completely private. It has nothing to do with you. It's not federal. And there's no reserves there. They literally... <laughs> It's economic alchemy. They just create stuff out of thin air. No more federal than Federal Express, just like it, the Patriot Act is. It's the ironic titling, the naming, like you were saying, playing around with words. There's a, it's, it was very, a very well done. Yeah. And they came up with this. Uh, and I mean, it's just like I said, you go back to this show and I talk about it all the time on my radio program and, and talks that I do on gold and silver and, and the monetary system. It's the literal origin of evil is is the is is the uh, manipulation and top-down control of the money supply you know and i think it was uh mayor amshel rothschild who said back in the 19th century says i i care not who sits on the british throne the person who controls the british empire is the person who controls the british money supply and i control the british money supply. right that's right that's why it's so great jesus jesus whipped the bankers Absolutely. <laughs> That's where he lost his temper. That's right. Yeah, well, he, he did that. Um, what was that? On? He did that on a Friday. And uh, what, 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 it's basically like, what, a day later he was on the cross? That's uh, right. <laughs> they wasted no time there. Yeah. <laughs> they said, give us Barnabas instead. You mean Barabbas, right? Oh, Barabbas. Thank you. Yeah. And by, by the way, just so a little fun. Barnabas Collins. <laughs> Barnabas is one of his apostles. Yeah. 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 Uh, Barabbas actually means son of God, too, which is really weird. I've learned that years ago. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, well, this has been fun. I like these uh, impromptu. I mean, I'm sure we missed a ton of stuff, folks, but this is the fun part about Paratruther and, and uh, getting together with my my good friends. And, uh, I definitely don't want to leave anything out. This is just me kind of segueing into, you know, we'll, we'll end the show soon. And we've got more shows to do. We haven't done one in a while. So I want to just kind of like, just get some muscle memory back. Yeah. I'm doing my radio shows and I'm doing America unplugged and, um, about to start doing a lot more wise wolf, uh, financial stuff because we are just, you know, talk about 1913 and yeah. the, I mean, we are at the end game. Um, and so I need to get, I need to make sure I'm, I'm doing more content because there's a lot of stuff. July too, right? That's like one of the targeted dates for the CBDC uh, takeover. Is July. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that quite a bit. I've heard that. Scary stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah that'll be game over if that happens. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a, that's the, the, the fine, the fate complete. Yeah. Of total hijacking of our reality through currency would be the central bank digital currency. I mean, it's complete evil. Yeah. Right. It's the, the politicization of money. You know, I mean, we talked about on David Knight today. I mean, Texas wants to create a, um, a digital gold back currency. Yeah. And I said, but I don't need you. Like, why is a state creating a currency? Right. Yeah. You know, I know it sounds like good intentions, right? But then you think, well, what happens if the Democrats control Texas and the currency? What happens if like it's it just it 
any kind of state controlled currency, yeah. uh, a top down, I don't need you. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny when you look at the monetary system, how much we don't need these people. Like I have a worldwide gold standard. I don't need you. I know what gold. You had gold. the exa- you had the example this morning about the crypto, you know, right? Where it said we don't need the middleman. No, you know? don't need you. No. Uh, we we have the technology. I'm wearing my Bitcoin shirt today, and I'm not, <laughs> not a Bitcoin evangelist, but I love Bitcoin. You know, yeah. Um, and that's and that and by the way, this is a direct response to what happened in 1913. Yeah, you know, because we used to have sound money, and uh, it's completely hijacked by. By the four horsemen of the political apocalypse, but uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, both uh, final thoughts, and then we'll we'll close out. Unless I, I know I've got guys, I know I missed a ton of stuff, so don't you don't have to write me emails <laughs> and be like, "Did you know about?" Yeah, I know that we. You see Chris's show notes. There's massive, but we're only going to do. And I don't. I, I wanted this to be like a. You're driving down the road. You see a paratrooper came up for an Arterburn radio, and you're like, "Hey, I'll, let's let's see what Tony's talking about." And this is always a fun conversation. Chris, uh, final thoughts, and then we'll talk to Mister Anderson. Well, 1913, interesting year. And like you said, um, it's pretty much the beginning of the end, which I hope it's not the end coming up, but uh, definitely uh, lit the spark, you know, to where we are now currently. Goes right back there. And that's about it. Yeah. Well, great, great show notes. And uh, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, We're going to do this again real soon. Uh, We'll talk off air and we'll schedule the next show. Mr. Anderson, I'm great to see you as always. Um, you only see my avatar. What do you mean? I, I know what you look like in real life. Don't you and, tell uh, anybody. I know. I know what you look, and, and you, you may be in Bangladesh, but uh, it's never too far. Away. <laughs> it's never too far. Well, appreciate all your. You know, you you obviously. I know you. You probably had a stack of papers. This guy preps for stuff. Like I always ask him. Like, hey, I'm going to do a show. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, in five minutes, you want to jump on? I want to, you know, I'm like, well, I just do a show. I just show up and do shows. And he's like, well, you're nuts. You know, and I'm like, well, I, <laughs> sometimes I crash and burn. Sometimes it's not, it's not pretty. Well, uh, that's not why you're nuts. It's other reasons. Not oh, that's true. Spontaneously that's doing shows. That's but no, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to cover. I mean, it's an entire year, so it's pretty general. But yeah, I mean, I was having a conversation with some people recently, you know, and they're more conservative leaning or however you want to put it. And they're talking about Trump and DeSantis, you know, who's being backed by, um, you know, the Bushes and everything like that. And I just said, I really don't care because no one talks about any of the central issues I care about. I care about the federal reserve. I care about income taxes. I care about us always having our our foot in some other country. And I was like, why do we do that? Why do we give so much foreign aid? You know, is it just to keep the uh, the dollar as the de facto world currency and keep it circulating? I was just like, I, I just don't care about any of this. And someone said, well, it just sounds like you'd only vote for Ron Paul. And it's like, well, I think that's kind of the important issue. And it's really frustrating. Nobody talks about it, um, at least that I've heard on campaigns. No one who you'd consider to be a quote unquote major player. Right. So it's, it's kind of. Yeah, it it has to be. Everyone's selected. So it's kind of depressing <laughs> reviewing 1913, <laughs> to be honest. Well, you know, if you talk about it, I think a lot of times when we go over these weighty issues and we, we wade into the history and you shine a light on it, you take away a lot of its power. You show right. You show how predictable it really was and you look back on it. That's why I like to do with history. 
Um, and it's, you know, if you repeat it and go over it and look at it, um, you get to see the human fallibilities of people, just, just people yeah. that, that plotted and, cre and created this. They've done a great job covering it up because it, it, it behooves those in power to play along with this game. But sooner or later, you're, you know, that uh, Isaac Newton fellow was right for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. And the reaction is now, and they're not going to be able to cover it. I just, my, my opinion, I'm still, I, I think we have a lot of challenges with the central bank, digital currency, with the collapse of the dollar, by the way, the, the dollar is going to, we're, we're going to lose the world's reserve currency status. I, I just, I didn't do that. I didn't plan that. That's just the way it is. It's going to happen. They're trying to make it happen. Yeah. There's some, there's some controlled demolition. Yeah. There's some yeah. controlled demolition going on, but I just think that there's opportunity in this for us to learn and for us to create new systems and competing systems. And if we understand where, if we understand where we are, then we can make better decisions. This is why I, I've been broadcasting for years. And I think that if we just learn, you know, if we, if we look at it and we take um, some time to meditate on the history and, and really uh, think about how we can improve this, then we'll come up with better answers. You know, again, what's that, uh, that old saying, if you want uh, better uh, answers, you ask a better question. Right. Yeah. So we got to have, we have to have better information and uh, always great to see you gentlemen, folks. Um, yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. And uh, we'll be back soon with, I love this, this group. This is a great, I love this. I'd rather have these two guys on just about anybody else because we can just go and find the links and find the information. I don't, I mean, I can, there's so much we can cover without, um, without missing a beat because the information's yeah. out there. I just want to do shows on the, I like the ideas. I care less about personality or anything. I just, I care about the idea. Thanks. Is, it, is that a subtle dig towards Chris? And I? No. <laughs> As you can tell, I don't care about intelligence, personality. I just need that hang factor on the podcast. <laughs> I just, I was talking about, I was talking about guests. Like I was, I, <laughs> I'll just play it. I'll play. I can't, you're, you're starting to live up to your avatar now. I'm just, See what I'm <laughs> um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been fun. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's 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 been great. Um, and we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for listening. You have a ton of choices. Um, we're gonna put this out on all the channels. Uh, please give us a five star review if you find it somewhere. If you're on Apple, iTunes, uh, Podbean, uh, wherever you find this podcast, help the algorithms. Give us a five star review. We'll keep putting out content. Uh, you can go to my website, arterburn.news. Um, that's where you can contact me. With the podcast is up there. We're gonna have some merch coming out soon. And Paratruther stuff, uh, Paratruther shirts, hats, mugs, Arterburn Radio stuff. We'll even have some things from Beans the Brave. Beans the Brave's gonna have a logo, uh, and of course, Wise Wolf uh, Gold and Silver is the main sponsor. Uh, and, uh, Tony, Tony, can I mention uh, a couple, a couple sure. things? Yeah, plug. Okay, I have. Uh, I, I'm a part of the New Prisoners live stream. It's every Friday on Rumble and Odyssey. And uh, that is at 10 a.m. And I have a show with the fabulous uh, Mr. Tom Cooper um, that's called Conspiring with Mr. Cooper. And that's on Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, I'm on Get Mad with yours truly on Ocelli.com, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And thank you for having me. And I can't wait till we do the next one. Well, let's do it. Let's do another one soon, gentlemen. We will be back, ladies and gents. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, in the information war, be a paratruther. See you next time.